Welcome to Lionheart Talks, a series of podcasts from Lionheart. Hello and welcome to the Lionheart Talks podcast. This episode has been specifically designed for today, Time to Talk Day. We hear so often from the people that we support that they've found it difficult to talk about the issues that they're going through or facing. And this is why we wanted to do an episode specifically for Time to Talk Day. So I'm your host for today's podcast. My name's Joe Grant and I'm joined today by my colleagues from Lionheart, Ben and Mark. Um, you both work at Lionheart, as I've just said. Do you want to give us a brief overview of what you do? So um, I'm Ben. Um, I've worked for Lionheart for just over eight years. I'm a support officer, so I deal with incoming calls from members and their families and will support members with through talking or through other means as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Ben. Over to you, Mark. I'm Mark. I'm a counsellor at Lionheart. I've been with Lionheart for just over five years. Uh, I support a a group of both RICS members and dependents of members and kind of, yeah, work with them on a either weekly or fortnightly basis. Fantastic. Thanks, Mark. As I just mentioned, today is Time to Talk Day. Um, this is a national event and aimed at specifically encouraging people to talk about mental health and encourage conversations. So mental health is something that can affect anybody at any point in their life. Stigma means many people still struggle to speak up. And that's why we wanted to do this podcast today. So let's move on to our first question. Time, as we said, Time to Talk Day is all about encouraging people to talk more about mental health. Sat here, we know that there are benefits of talking about mental health. It's part of your day jobs. Um, we know there are still plenty of people, however, that don't. So let's start with asking why is talking about mental health so important? One of the one of the big ones I hear in the work that I do is people who don't talk feel really, really isolated. And if you're kind of dealing with dealing with negative thoughts, feelings, emotions, then kind of feeling isolated with that can really just make that feel just so much worse. I think from myself and um, the people that I work with, um, a lot of people find the first call the hardest to make. And I think you hear the relief from a lot of people when you've talked to them for a while about mental health issues or other issues um, and the, the relief that they've had of that first initial just getting it all off their chest because they've not been either not felt comfortable talking to friends and family or they've not had anybody to talk to about it. And that first, the first time that they do, I think gives people real benefit. But anyone can struggle with their mental health. Um, it doesn't have to be a case of having a diagnosed condition or being in a specific situation. Different challenges can affect us all at different times. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that perhaps people struggle to talk about mental health or if they're struggling because they feel that nothing's been diagnosed or they need a diagnosis before they're able to say they're, they're struggling with their mental health. Absolutely. I think um, another thing that people think is um, they shouldn't get help for things because there are other people in worse positions than them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And while that's absolutely, that could be absolutely mm -hmm. the case, um, there could be people in, well, we know what's going on in the world at the moment, but... Mm. Other people having more severe problems than yourself doesn't discount the problems that you've got. Absolutely, yeah. Really would agree with that. And it's about it's about what's going on for that person in at that period of time. And yeah, I think there's also kind of a there's a I don't know fear and anxiety around judgment and yep. kind of you know kind of needing to 
needing to kind of get your head down and kind of just work through whatever's going on and and actually sometimes by doing that you're you're just kind of compounding the issue yeah. I think as well that um by talking to somebody somebody's got to admit to, to to themselves that they've got a problem or that there's an issue that they're going through yeah um and I think that can be a really difficult thing to admit to yourself as well mm-hmm. and it's perhaps easier to say oh well I'm not in their situation. I'm not going through that. So therefore, my experience isn't valid or yeah. how I'm feeling yeah. isn't yeah. valid. So therefore, I shouldn't speak to someone. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't but need to. I'll yeah. soldier through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll carry on. Absolutely. But I guess quite often what we do find is people who have spoken then wish that they'd spoken to somebody sooner or asked for help sooner. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely my experience. You know, as Ben said, kind of making that first call is is probably one of the hardest things. But actually, because of the you know because of the support we can provide, and you know, it's not just counselling, but you know, there's so much other stuff we can do. Actually, yeah, you do get to hear that actually people do wish they'd been able to do it, make that call sooner. I've heard it so many times mm-hmm. um, from having the first call with somebody when you come mm-hmm. to end the call, and they're saying, "I wish I'd have talked to you six months ago." Or yeah. I wish I'd have made this call earlier. Mm-hmm. Like Mark's just said, we, we get it in feedback all the time. Yeah, That's a really important point that you guys make quite regularly as support officers, isn't it? That don't wait until crisis point to contact us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The sooner you can, <clears throat> the sooner you ask for support, the sooner you can help and yeah. the easier it perhaps is to help somebody. So we're thinking about mental health and having conversations. Time to Talk Day is all about having conversations around mental health. If you were... As somebody listening to this, if you've got a friend or a family member or a colleague that you're worried about, if they perhaps don't see themselves, see themselves, um, different behaviours that you've seen in them, and you're worried about their mental health, how would you suggest that perhaps someone tries to start a conversation around that? Is there any advice or situations that you think it's easier to do that in? I think it's about kind of letting that person know that you're there. Yep. Letting them know that there is... You know, there is somebody who is, you know, who is concerned, who is thinking about them. And actually, you know, I think one of the biggest things is you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be a professional. You don't need to be an expert. You're just, you know, you're just trying to connect with another human, which is, you know, something that we all do all of the time. Yeah, I think one of the previous Time to Talk campaigns was all around asking twice. Mm -hmm. Um, So asking that question, are you okay? And then asking that question again, yeah. because it's so common, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just commonplace for for anyone nowadays to to ask, "Are you okay?" and yeah. just get the response, "Yeah, I'm fine," mm-hmm. or "How yeah. are you doing?" Oh, "Yeah, I'm good, thanks." Without really thinking, it's mm-hmm. not really a question that offers that chance to no, no. to answer. People don't feel that they can answer it truthfully. Quite no. often, they feel that they've got to just go with the set responses Absolutely, that we all, we always yeah. offer in th- those situations. Yeah. So never be afraid, I guess, to ask that question twice. Mm-hmm. Rephrasing it sometimes. It's a stock question, I guess, but yeah. yeah, coming back to it and maybe rephrasing it that second time just slightly differently might help, yeah. I do think um, it's really important with, in those times, though, to make sure that it's not it's not framed in a like a confrontational way. It's not an mm-hmm. intervention. Mm-hmm. The person needs to be ready to talk to you. Um, yeah. There is, if you keep going with somebody that's not ready to talk to you, mm-hmm. you're just going to alienate them. They're mm-hmm. not going to, they're not going to show up to things. So I think if you can try and do it subtly, if you can, if you can do something, things like going for a walk are generally mm-hmm. good. If that's if that's yep. the, the sort of thing that you do, or going yeah. for a drive, 
because people find it easier to open up when they're not giving eye contact, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. So if you're walking side by side with somebody and just chatting, try not to push an agenda on them, just try and chat mm -hmm. and get a feel for it and then and go from there. I think if you if you push somebody, you're going to push mm -hmm. them away yeah. and, and they won't talk at all. And yeah. if they're ready, they will talk to you. And I think that sometimes they might not want to talk to their friends about things yep. either and they might not want to talk to their family about it depending on what the issue is mm -hmm. and you have to respect that you have yeah. to without any offense or mm -hmm. ego just allow them it to do it but it let is. them know let them know that you're there and let them come to you mm -hmm. and it might then be a case of if you start with are you okay or i've mm -hmm. i recognize you you don't seem yourself recently mm -hmm. is everything mm -hmm. okay they may say they're fine and nothing there but yeah. it almost yeah. gives that opportunity to come back at a later date Absolutely. or a few days yeah. later yeah. and say no, i've yeah. been thinking about what you said actually can mm. we can we have a chat yeah and i think it is and i think keep it light might not be the right word but mm. keep it sort of soft yeah. mm -hmm. so yeah. if you say like you've not you've not been yourself don't be like you seem depressed or you seem something mm -hmm. like that but like you don't seem to have it like you your sense of humour isn't the, the same or mm. something simple, something that's not as sort of invasive or anything yeah. like that. Just yeah. you seem a bit quieter than normal or I've not seen you mm. at yep. football mm. or anything like that. I would I would use. Yeah. I think that makes I think Ben's point was really, really a really good one as well. It's about the person who you're trying to engage with. It's about their agenda. It's yep. not about, you know, you going in and wanting to fix things or save them or, or or anything like that you've really got to allow that person the time and the space to to kind of do what they need to do and if they are ready to talk as ben said then you know they'll they'll, they'll take that offer and help make them aware that you're there and happy to have that conversation yeah, if they want it but yeah. it, it is in their court and mm -hmm. it's up to them yeah i think following on from that we look at how can you help if somebody wants to talk to you about their mental health so for example, say that I was struggling and I'd, I'd admitted that to you, say Mark, or you, Ben, that I was struggling with my mental health and how could you behave or what would be a good way to act in that situation? For me, I think the biggest thing is listening, not trying to fix it, just mm -hmm. listening to the person talking, not trying to fix their problems. You can always offer them advice that's completely different, but not trying to fix it for them. And it's listening is exactly that it's not it's there is a skill to it and there is there is a, a thing around where somebody's talking they will offer trigger something of your own experience that you don't want to talk about okay yeah and mm -hmm. i think that it's really important that if somebody's talking and that thing happens you push it away and you yeah. carry on listening to the person don't just sort of well when this happened to me i did this yeah because it's not yeah. going to be the same for that person no. um just listen and talk to them and if you don't know how to help ask them yeah mm -hmm. what can i do that would be helpful mm -hmm. um what what can we do for me do you want to talk to me more often is it yeah anything yeah. but if you if you're not sure the fact that they've talked mm -hmm. to you will have helped them yeah just ask them if there's if there's other support that they want ask mm -hmm. them and again it's about agendas as well isn't it so mm -hmm. it's their uh, method of support that, that we look at just yeah. the act of being able to share what's going on for them will be so so helpful and and you know and you don't you know, as Ben rightly said, you know, you don't necessarily, you don't have to fix it. You don't have to sort things. You're just offering them that space, that time for them to say as little or as much as they want to. But yeah, it is it is really just about that that listening. And yeah, Ben said it can and does. You know, we're all human. We're all 
we all have our own experiences and it can bring stuff up. Yep. But it is about always kind of bringing it back to that person. It's being comfortable with silences that might come up during that conversation yeah. mm -hmm. and not yeah. feeling that need to, oh, they've stopped talking. Mm -hmm. I need to say something now. Yeah. Allowing the conversation yeah. to continue and just listening. Yeah. Let that pause happen. Absolutely. And let that person then continue whilst yeah. they've, once they've perhaps regathered their thoughts mm -hmm. about how they want to say what yeah. they're going to say next. Silences can be so powerful mm -hmm. and the processing that can happen. Yeah, I'm fortunate. I see it all the time. But yeah, what can happen in a silence is is so so powerful. Really, really is. So yeah, please do allow them that time. It's just something that a lot of us are very uncomfortable with, yeah. isn't mm -hmm. it? It's yeah, just yeah, not absolutely. The way we're used to having conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it, yeah, it is a it is a very different way of doing things, but it is a really really powerful processing tool. I think as well, um, mm -hmm. like it could be that they've run out of things to say and, mm -hmm. they, and they don't know what to say anymore. But if you leave the silence long enough, they'll tell you that. They'll end yep. up saying, like, I don't really know yep. what else to say about it mm -hmm. or something like that. But the danger you've got with breaking the silence is they could be processing something or yeah. they could have got to some kind of resolution themselves mm -hmm. or they could be getting upset. Mm -hmm. And that you, it needs to go through it without sort of stopping them or changing, yeah. the, almost changing, changing the subject. The subject yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's bringing it back to them and staying with them rather than kind of bringing your own stuff in. Is, is I think what we're talking about. So the next thing I wanted to talk about or think about was if you're struggling with your mental health, we've just mentioned or spoken about how talking to someone really can help and can be really important. Quite often the first person that someone might speak to might be somebody they know, but in other situations for other people, that's really not something that they want to want to do. It can be quite hard to talk about how you're really feeling or what's going on with somebody that you're close to mm -hmm. um, because of, I guess, fear of judgment or wondering what they'll they'll think of you next. And even if you have got supportive friends or family, there's benefits, isn't there, to talking to somebody that you don't know. So perhaps as a RICS member coming through to Lionheart, talking to yourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say to people about the benefits and the reasons why it might be a good idea to contact someone like Lionheart? and talk to somebody that's impartial or someone that they don't know the other relationships are always going to be there you're always going to be you know maybe subconsciously but you're always going to be maybe filtering or editing what you're saying based on that relationship if you're I don't know, talking to a family member then yeah that, that that might get complicated also with friends as well and family they won't want to let somebody struggle they'll want to try and fix it which you know is totally understandable but you know as ben said earlier it isn't about fixing an issue it's just about allowing somebody that time and space to talk which yeah isn't always easy when you're that close to a person i agree and i think that talking to somebody that you don't know um has massive benefit because you can say exactly how you're feeling mm -hmm. um you don't have to edit yourself where with family you can have the most supportive family and friends network however there can be issues where there's something that there's something that's happened where you want you can talk to them to a degree, but you don't feel that you can tell them everything mm -hmm. because you might not want to worry them. Yeah. Um, you might not want to feel judged. There can be loads of reasons for it, and talking to mm -hmm. somebody else can be really helpful. If, for example, if you had maybe a life-threatening illness, yep. something mm -hmm. like that, you could talk to your family and friends and tell them what's happening and tell them what treatment you're having and tell them how you're feeling and everything like that. But you could get to a point where you think, I can't just keep talking to them about this and I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah. Yep. Talking to somebody then that you don't know 
will lift some of that burden. It will really, I guarantee it would really, mm -hmm. really help. Being able to talk without judgment, without thinking, mm -hmm. without coming off a phone call with your with your mum or your, or your children or something like that, thinking, I shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can say exactly how you feel and you can say exactly what you're scared of and exactly what's bothering you, any, anything like that. Another example would be, say, for if somebody was a carer and mm -hmm. they were really struggling and they were caring for maybe their husband and they've got children, they might not want to tell their children that their one of their parents is really a burden on the other mm -hmm. parent. They might not want them to think to think like that, but they may need to talk to somebody about it. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the one of the main reasons that people don't talk to either support officers or take up counselling or go to their GP to talk about something is because they've got supportive family and friends so they think that they shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just because you've got supportive family and friends doesn't mean that you've completed that sort of space. There is still other help that you could access. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's really, really important. I mean, yeah, as you say, it's great to know that people do have that, but yeah, as you say, you've also got that additional space where it can, it really can be about you, yeah, and what you want and what you want to say. And you yeah. can kind of, I guess, put you've put that time aside, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of got a clear end yep. to it as yep. well, hasn't yep. it? You know that yep. it's not going to be a conversation that's going to be brought back up at a time that you're not expecting, or no. yeah. it's something you said might be shared with somebody else mm -hmm. that that may happen if you're talking to friends or family because Absolutely. they're worried about you yeah. rather mm -hmm. than yeah, yeah. not because they want to go against a confidence no. or mm -hmm. spread rumors but they're they're worried and they don't know what else to do with the yeah. information that you've shared Absolutely. Yeah. and there's so many benefits to having that conf confidential space isn't mm -hmm. there to be sharing and being honest and being yeah. able to process what's happening I think on the flip side of us saying about when when you listen, don't try and fix. There could be issues as well with somebody wanting to talk about something, but thinking if I talk to this person about it, they're going to try and fix it, and I don't need them to. I just need them to listen. Yeah. So speak to somebody that you don't know. Speak, come and speak to Lionheart. Yeah. Yep. And I think that moves me on really nicely because my next uh, question was, or point was, Lionheart are here for RICS professionals and their families. Um, but how does calling Lionheart work? Somebody may have listened to us now. Um, them thinking, actually, I could do with some support. I'm not sure where to go. Well, if you're an RICS professional, we really do encourage you to contact Lionheart. If you're worried about what happens if you do that, let's talk about that now. So I make a phone call to the helpline. Yeah. What happens at that point? Yeah. So that person would come to us um, and would speak to me or would speak to one of the other support officers, Claire or Tracy. Um, we would talk them through whatever they wanted to talk through. If there was practical things that we could help them with, we would either use some of the services that we already have or try and find services that would suit us. Yep. If they needed emotional support, they could get that from an, on an ongoing basis through a support officer. Yep. Um, if they wanted counselling, we could refer them to the counselling team. If there was a small wait for the counselling team, they could carry on talking to the support officer until a space for them became available within counselling as well. So okay. we would keep hold of them and keep talking to them until a counsellor was ready to, to mm. talk to them as well. And it's really important to note at that point as well, isn't it, that they would always be in contact with that Absolutely. Yes. same support officer. It would be um, the same support officer yeah. as well. So it's not a case of having to share that experience again and share that story mm. or have to keep reliving what you've said. That mm -hmm. support officer mm. knows your history and yeah. what you've told them already. So you've got that person to speak to. 
um, even before you're handed over perhaps for counselling, yeah. which may just take a, a few more weeks. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And what would happen at that point then, Mark, if we if someone was referred for counselling? Uh, so what what we do is we take we take the referral from from the support officers. Um, when we have when we have space available, we would then contact contact the person uh, to uh, set up um, an assessment call with them. So that would basically be us getting to know that person, but also giving them the opportunity for them to get to know us and kind of you know just kind of work out kind of what's going on for them at that point. Kind of you know start to get thoughts around what we think you know what we could do to support them. Um, sessions would then depending on the outcome of the assessment, sessions would usually start usually usually the next week, but obviously it depends on what's going on for, for that person. Yep. Um, sessions are usually usually weekly. We do occasionally do fortnightly as well. Okay. Um, and it usually go on for a, to a maximum of 10 sessions. Okay. And is that about 50 minutes a session? Yeah, it's kind of 50 minutes a session approximately so it kind of like as you said earlier it kind of gives people that kind of set defined chunk of time that they, yep. that they know about you know we're aware we're working mostly with professionals so you know we usually we are usually really good at kind of making sure the appointments are in the diary in advance yep. and so that everybody knows where they stand and i think the really important thing to mention here that we haven't said is that support through lionheart is free Absolutely. to you as the rics professional yeah and also if after the 10 sessions with the counselling team, if the member or the family still wanted um, to talk to somebody, they could come back to the support mm. officer that they spoke to before yeah. and, okay. and carry on to talking mm. that way as well. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And through uh, working with that support officer, if there's other ways that we could help linked to that reason that you've made that initial contact, quite often I guess people make an initial contact with one specific reason in mind but there may be other mm -hmm. other areas that they weren't thinking that we could help with that we yeah. can help with as well yeah. absolutely so it's always worth giving us a call if you're struggling or mm -hmm. not sure where to turn yeah. yeah and i would always say if, if a member's not sure whether or not we can help just let us try mm -hmm. um yeah. it's never going to be worse we will always no. we will always do what we can and if we don't know how to help we can try and find ways in which maybe another organisation can help. And it's also worth noting that that support is there for RICS professionals. Certain services are are available for students and apprentices, but yeah. from APC candidates all the way through retirement, yeah. we are there for mm -hmm. RICS professionals and their partners. Well, I think that's been a fantastic conversation, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Um, thank you. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Um, we hope you found it useful. I'd like to thank you both Mark and Ben for joining me today for, for the session. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Joe.